0: Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. Three verses of scripture, four, found in a very familiar passage of the Bible, Acts chapter 2. Anybody here ever heard of that? And... My Bible app is protesting. Well, I'll just read it off the screen if I don't remember it. Acts chapter 2. Very, very uh, near and dear to apostolics, to we apostolics. And so let's begin with our verse 38. You knew I was going to get there eventually, didn't you? To verse 38. Then uh, Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, going on, for the promises unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That means it's for everybody. And with many other words did he, Peter, testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. One more verse, verse 41. <clears throat> then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I want to talk to you in this Bible class today from this little thought. 31 flavors, not of ice cream, but of religion. 31 Flavors of Religion, and as a subtitle, you can only choose one. Oh. Now, I am so thrilled to say today that that rule does not apply in the ice cream store. Aren't you glad? Anybody here glad with me that when you go to Baskin-Robbins, you can do like I do every time I choose a cup With scoops, don't get a cone. Two scoops, two different flavors. Amen. God bless you today. The Lord will bless his word. You may be seated. Uh, Is there anybody here besides me that likes ice cream? How about uh, connoisseur? We got any connoisseurs of ice cream? That's just a big fancy word that means expert. Experts on ice cream. Uh, I like it, but... I'm no connoisseur, but I know enough to know that usually not just any brand of ice cream will do. Uh, Not Blue Bunny or Walmart or Kroger. What's Kroger's house brand? Uh, Private Selection, I think that's it, or even Prairie Farms, some of those put out good ice cream, but if you want to go straight to the top of the line, uh, <clears throat> you've got one main choice. And that is, of course, uh, well, you've got one at uh, the specialty ice cream store. I'm talking about Baskin Robbins. And then you've got one at the supermarket, the grocery store, and that is Priors, That's right. Priors. I had a friend, a preacher friend, who would go buy a half-gallon of briars, take it home, and eat the whole thing in one sitting. Wow. I couldn't do that, but sometimes I could get close. When you go to Baskin-Robbins, if you're like me and you have members in your family that... uh, like to take their time in choosing what they're going to end up eating, then you, you probably ought to go early. Uh, we've got some folks in our, in our family that they just take their sweet time about their sweets, uh, choosing what flavor they want. When we go to Baskin Robbins, I think, uh, don't you think that some of that has to do with, because they've got so many to choose from, so I don't know if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing, but after uh, sticking their face up to the glass to try to pick uh, what flavor they want to eat, they will usually, the people in my family, ask for a sample. You know what that is, don't you? Baskin-Robbins and higher class uh, ice cream stores all do this. What, what's the one... Uh, Brother Jeff that we f- frequent sometimes. Cold stone. I used to call it stone cold, but it's not stone cold. It's cold stone. They will do this too, as will Baskin Robbins. They'll give you a little plastic spoon and let you get samples. Now, I haven't had anyone from my family get to uh, where they tasted so many samples that the clerk behind the counter said, nope, that's all. But uh, I suppose you could reach that point. But when I get by ice cream, I don't want it in one of those little spoons. I don't want it in a cone. I want it in the cup or the bowl. And I don't want just one. Uh, when I'm at home, I won't tell you how many scoops I eat, but it's more than three. And they're not little scoops either. Uh, now, that's going to cost a little more, but it is well worth it. And God help you if when you go to Baskin Robbins, you have your flavor uh, all picked out and somebody's in line in front of you and they order a different flavor than the one you've decided on because sometimes while you're sitting there waiting, the fudge ripple uh, starts to looking pretty good if you have to wait. So that's dangerous if you have to wait. At least it is For me and for my family and my favorite usually is strawberry strawberry and uh, chocolate but fudge ripples right up there but this afternoon i'm not going to talk about 31 flavors of ice cream but rather 31 flavors of religion Uh, at one point i don't remember how long ago it was but i took the opportunity and it had to have been some time ago because I'm going to date myself now and let you know it was some time ago when I say this. I pulled out uh, all of the phone books that we had in our kitchen, in our house, and uh, there were about eight or nine. Can you believe we used to have phone books? We used to use them, and we had that many. Um, I don't know why it is, but so many (coughs) advertising companies put together uh, a phone book And they each have, used to there was just one and one phone book only. That was Ma Bell's. That was the official phone book. Uh, And then Ma Bell split up, and the government split her up, and we went to different regional companies. And then from then on, it just snowballed until I found eight or nine phone books in our house one day. And I counted, uh, Brother Wayne, could you go get me? A glass of, or a a bottle of water, please, sir. My voice was fine when I got up. The devil doesn't want me to be in the pulpit today. In those eight or nine phone books, I found, would you believe, I counted 190 different churches in the Mount Vernon area. And uh, I've had enough fun now, and opening illustration is over with, so I'll get right to my point. They can't all be right, can they? Uh, It just, we've got to understand that right off the bat. They can't all be teaching the same things. I don't think they can. Uh, It's just, that would be impossible. Uh, and, And too many times I've seen people go to a church Uh, because they've always gone there, because their mama or their daddy went there, or Aunt Susie, uh, or some other really lighthearted and, uh, thank you, brother, and, and really insignificant reason motivated them to go to the church that they go to. Uh, it's the one they grew up in, or uh, it's the one that has the nice new building, or they've got a great worship leader, or how about this? They have a, a wonderful preacher, and they love his sermons. But this afternoon, I want to ask you just for a little while to review in your mind, let's do this together, why you come to Calvary, which the full name of this church is Calvary United pentecostal church several years ago we decided to start calling it just calvary church or calvary for short and that's not to escape who we are or try to hide who we are or the fact that we're pentecostal or that we are apostolic i am if if it's possible in the sight of god without sinning to do so i am i'm going to say this i'm proud to be apostolic Uh, and it's not this church That makes it the right one of course I believe it is one of the right ones Uh, it's not the only right one in town or across the country or around the world but somebody's got to be right and somebody's got to be wrong doesn't that make sense uh and I don't want anyone to think those of you that are watching online that may not be a member of this church I don't want you to think that uh We are proud or boastful or have our heart in the wrong place. I know, first of all, that I go to a church that I go to because of, more than anything else, the grace of God. Because God's grace allowed me to choose to go to this kind of church, to an apostolic church. And furthermore, uh, it wasn't because of my making the right decision, although I believe that God's grace caused me to make the right decision when I decided uh, to go to an apostolic church for the rest of my life. But I, I, I think it's good for us, and I want us to do this today, to take inventory and to think about uh, why we go to this church and uh, to think about and review again what we believe I want to ask you this morning uh, to consider that it's very important for you to know what you believe and to know why you believe it and uh, I uh, can tell you what I believe I can tell you why I believe it but I can't do that for everyone here today or everyone watching online you're the only one that knows your heart And you're the only one, you and God, really, that knows why you're attending this church. But I can tell you what this church stands for, what it teaches, and what we believe as a church. Now, that doesn't mean everybody who attends here believes like the pastor says you ought to believe. uh, But, and I hope that doesn't offend somebody when I say you ought to believe this way. It is not correct, it is not right. It is not pleasing to God for a pastor to take the stand uh, like this that, uh, well, bless your heart, you know, you've got the Bible, you can read it for yourself, you just go believe it how you want to believe it. I don't think that's right. I think a pastor who says that and and that's where they're coming from and how they pastor a church is doing you a disservice and the people that he serves who attend that church that he pastors, a disservice. Because the Bible says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That means there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way. And of course, let's just call it what it is. Let's say it like it is. People over the last 2,000 years who are Christians who want to follow Christ, who love God, hundreds of thousands, millions of people over the last 2,000 years since Jesus came and died on the cross and then went back to heaven. And his apostles went and preached for the first time about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and how to get in it and how to be a part of it uh, according to the way God wants it uh, wants us to be a part of it. Ever since that th- they started doing that, le- let's just be honest and admit, there are dozens and do- dozens, perhaps even into the hundreds of ways that human beings have taken the Bible and interpreted it and said this is the way it is. And they're not all the same. There's a lot of different ways people interpret what the Bible says. So uh, it's very important. I believe that it would behoove us to understand and get to and know which is the right one. You know why? Because our eternal destiny depends on that. Where we're going to spend eternity depends on us getting it right. So as a pastor, I would be very wrong to tell members of the church that I pastor to just take your Bible and believe it any old way. Do what you think best in your own sight. That's not my job. That's not what God has called me to do. He's called me to say to you, thus saith the word of God. This is how it is. Now, is that the same thing as saying, this is how I see it? I guess so. But somebody's got to make a determination of what the Bible is saying and how to interpret it when Jesus told those 12 men, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Somebody has to determine, uh, or we, we better determine and figure out exactly what that is that they went and preached that they went and commanded people to do to be saved. Because I believe that whatever those 12 men, those apostles told people about how to be saved, I personally believe that's the way it has to be done. Uh, And I'll tell you a little bit later why I believe that. But they're the ones Jesus commissioned to go and preach the gospel, weren't they? Weren't they the men that Jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? So let's look into the Bible and let's figure out exactly what it says uh, about a plan of salvation. Uh, That phrase isn't really found in the Bible, in the New Testament or old, that I can find where it says the plan of salvation is so-and-so but that's a phrase that we have come up with uh, and I think it's a good one though it's not in the Bible it's not anti-Bible and it's not uh, against what the Bible says there is a way the the Bible says that seemeth right unto man but the end thereof are the ways of death that means there are doctrines there are things that have been preached by Christians, by preachers, and and other people who've read the Bible and interpret it and say, this is how the Bible says you ought to be saved. But there's so many of them out there doing that, and they're different, so they can't all be right, can they? Well, let's find out what the Bible says. I believe that that plan, the plan of salvation, isn't hard to find, but I believe it is important that you know about it, and that you know what it is. So let's start with the very first part of that plan. Before you can do anything regarding salvation and getting into the family of God and being saved, before you do anything else, you have to believe. You have to believe. That is the key foundation for coming to God. He that cometh to God, the Scripture says, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, you've got to believe. Then, next, the question comes along, what is it that you need to believe? Well, to put it in simple terms again, you need to believe the Bible. Okay, Brother Edwards, you're going really slow, especially for this advanced and learned audience that I'm speaking to. But perhaps someone that's watching online isn't quite as far along in understanding Bible concepts as some of you are today. So if I get to uh, go on a little bit slower than what you like, that's why. To put in simple terms, you need to believe the Bible. You have to believe that the Bible is God's inspired word to us and that his words will show us how to live You have to believe that uh, every word in the Bible is from God, that it is without error or inerrant. There is no uh, lie in there. There is no half-truth in there. The Bible is full of the truth of the Word of God, and you can believe it. You can believe every word of it. And when you're talking about the plan of salvation, you have to believe something else. You have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That is, he is the manifestation of God in the form of flesh, that God was manifested in the flesh. He came to earth as a man born into this world, just like every one of us is. And as such, he is a man but he was also, at the same time, God. Let me read something for you from 1 Timothy 3 and 16. And I don't believe I gave Brother Terry this verse. Could you find this for us real quick, Brother? 1 Timothy three sixteen. When you get it, just put it up. This is talking about uh, the Godhead or who God is. That's what the word Godhead means. Without controversy, without a doubt. Great is the mystery of godliness. Now, what is godliness? It's another word for Godhead. It means who is God, who God is. Here it is. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Now, this list of things that happened in the life of Jesus Christ are not, the, the, these things are not in order. Let's put them in order. God was manifest in the flesh, okay? He was born as a baby at Bethlehem. The next thing that happened was uh, he was seen of angels. Uh, the Bible says that at Jesus' birth, the angels formed, some of them formed a choir, I'm sure, at God's bidding, and they sang on. The, uh, the hillside, way out in the country, uh, I don't think it was Mississippi, Brother David, or Tennessee, down south where we're from, but it was in the country. And they sang uh, to some shepherds that were tending their sheep about who Jesus was. And those angels saw God manifested in flesh. And there were other, of course, places in time where the angels in heaven witnessed what God was doing. And the Bible says they were fascinated by God's plan for he himself to come to earth so that we could be saved. The angels knew we had it coming to us. We were lost. We were in sin because we disobeyed God in the garden of Eden, beginning with our mama and our daddy, Adam and Eve. And so the angels got to watch God carry out his beautiful plan to come to earth himself and die for us in our place on a cross so that we could be saved so this plan of salvation was witnessed all the way through by angels uh, he was next justified in the spirit uh, let's go back to that verse brother i'm not done with that verse He was justified in the Spirit, even though it's number two on the list, it was number three in reality. That took place when Jesus was baptized, and there was a voice from heaven that spoke out loud that all of those people there at Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan, he was baptized by John the Baptist. They all witnessed this voice speaking, and a dove came down from heaven representing the Spirit of God and uh, lit upon Jesus' head. And uh, this was later explained as God justifying or proving that this man, Jesus Christ, really was his Son or his flesh. It was his body. Next Uh, he was received up into glory. After he died on the cross and resurrected again, his work was done as a man, and so he ascended back into heaven, and uh, that's uh, where he came from, so he ascended back into heaven. Then the disciples did what God told them to do. Now they were apostles at uh, Pentecost or at Jesus' death, the disciples Began to be called not disciples anymore but apostles as they preached the gospel. They preached unto the Gentiles and to the Jews. And then the last thing was Jesus was believed on. The gospel was preached and he was believed. Fascinating scripture. This scripture is talking about Jesus. This is where the rubber meets the road regarding a plan of salvation You and I need to believe. We need to desperately believe this afternoon that God robed himself in flesh and came to this earth in the form of a man to live a perfect life and to die a horrible death. And on the third day after his death, he rose from the dead. We need to believe all of this. And we need to believe that now Jesus sits upon the throne in heaven the throne of heaven as it's described in revelation chapter two and three and four and he is now preparing a place for everybody who will believe on him and then will act on that belief as the scripture instructs us to the great thing about all of uh, all of this is you don't have to take my word for it paul and silas while they were in prison uh they had the, this jailer that had been guarding them he came up and asked them after they worshiped God, and God freed them with an earthquake, and, and uh, they, their shackles fell off of them. The prison doors opened that day. And the jailer came up to them, and he knew immediately. He had heard, you know, I'm sure, them preaching in the city that day. And he was tasked with putting them in jail and incarcerating them. But he went up to them, and now he was interested in what they were preaching that day. And he asked them the question, sir, what must I do to be saved? And you know what their answer was? It's Acts 16 and 31. You don't have to put it up, brother. Looks like two or three that I missed uh, in giving you the scripture list. But they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Does it doesn't say, first of all, two very important points. It doesn't say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and voila, you are saved. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. In other words, there's some things that come after the believing that are important, that are a part of salvation. Secondly, it doesn't say that you have to believe Jesus was a great prophet, or that Jesus gave us good Lessons or principles to live by. But you need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed flesh of God. That's what Christ means. The Messiah, the one who was prophesied about in the Old Testament, capital O, the one who was to come. It's not just enough to believe Jesus. Uh, You have to believe that Jesus was God and is God. That's what Jesus said when he was on earth during the time of his earthly ministry. He, he, he taught a very important lesson to his disciples one day in John, uh, I believe it's chapter 8. Uh, he said, I said, therefore, unto you, you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not, he's talking to the Pharisees. If you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. If you believe not, if you don't believe that I am, he who? God come to earth in the form of a man. <clears throat> now, let's investigate just what does it mean to believe? Uh, that's very, very important. To believe on Jesus Christ, I believe, means believing his word, believing what he said. And believing all of his word and believing his word includes obedience. If you just uh, say in your mind, I think something is true, but you don't act on it, then I'm going to question your accepting whatever it is you're saying that you believe. And the same is true with the gospel. Uh, in other words, faith is more than just mental assent or mentally agreeing in your mind that uh, these things are so, that God is God, that he came to save us, that we're sinners. It's more than just thinking it in your mind that it's true or intellectually accepting it or even it's more. Faith is more than just verbally saying it out of your mouth. But faith includes it cannot be separated from commitment faith cannot be separated from appropriating what Jesus did to save us people can believe all day long that Jesus Christ came to earth and he died on the cross for their sins but until they act on that belief it doesn't do them one bit of good Uh, We have to appropriate or apply what Jesus did, the gospel, to our lives individually for it to work as an individual. uh, We have to apply it to our own individual situation uh, of needing a personal Savior. We can't separate believing From obedience. Did I give you Romans 10 and 16, brother? No? Okay. Oh, I did. We'll put that up then. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, This is Isaiah from the Old Testament. He's quoting, Lord, who hath believed our report? In other words, God here is equating belief with obedience. You can believe the word, but you don't really believe it if you don't obey it. That's very important. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Did I give you any verses after that? Okay, and then he gives an example of Noah. By faith, Noah. Now, Noah operated on faith. What is that? Believing that what God had said was going to come to pass. That's what faith is in a nutshell. It's believing God is true in what he says. Believing God will do what he says. So what did Noah do to obey God in his belief and put it into action? He warned of God, things not yet seen, a flood, moved with fear, Prepared an ark, he built an ark, a boat to save his house. By the which, by his doing that, by his building that ark, that action condemned the world because they didn't believe. He condemned the world by believing enough to obey God and build an ark, and thus he became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Faith, what did James say? Uh, James said, faith without works is dead. It's not faith at all. For you to believe anything about God, you have to act on that belief or you're not really believing. Okay? Simple concept, but we've got to understand it. Uh, By faith, Abraham, do do you have this? Verse 8. Uh, by faith, Abraham, what did Abraham do? Instead of just saying, I believe, he acted on his belief by go- he, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance. Obeyed. If you write in your Bible, take a pen out and underline that word, obeyed. And he, he didn't sit on his behind. Excuse my language. He went out. He did what God told him to do, not knowing where he went obedience to God's word is especially absolutely necessary when it comes to this thing of salvation you have to obey the word of God Matthew seven twenty one. Jesus said not everybody who says to me Lord Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but who's going to enter the kingdom of heaven he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven he who does something He who does what I tell him to do. Many shall say to me in that day, verse 22, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Wow, that's sad, isn't it? Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now here's people who... Uh, I'm sure they weren't lying. Jesus didn't say they were lying when they said, we've cast out demons in your name. He's going to tell them, I never knew you. Yeah, you did stuff for me. You did things for the cause of my kingdom. But you didn't do the most important things, which is obey the gospel. And we'll get into what that is exactly in just a moment. Therefore, he said, verse 24, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. It stood the the test of the storm. Why? For it was founded on a rock or on a firm foundation. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doesn't do them, I'm going to compare him and say he's like a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Instead of a rock foundation, that man chose a sand foundation. The rain descended, floods came, winds blew, beat upon that house, uh, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Whose house fell? The person who heard the word, and specifically, specifically, it's talking about the plan of salvation, what the word says, the apostles preached, how to be saved, and great was the fall of it. A person who does not obey that. In other words, they're going to be lost. 1 Peter 4, 17, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first began at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Faith only works when we respond to what we believe. When we respond to the word of God that we choose to believe. James 2 and 14. Did I give you that one, brother? What does it profit? My brethren, though a man say he has faith and has not works, to back that up, can faith alone save him? The answer is no. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. In other words, the faith won't work. A person's faith doesn't work if they do not follow their belief in their mind up with obedience on the outside. Yea, a man, verse 18, may say, Thou hast faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Wow. It is possible, therefore, for us to have a degree of faith in Jesus Christ and still not be saved if there is not complete commitment and obedience to everything Jesus said to do to be saved. Complete obedience to the gospel is required. So Abraham was saved by faith, that is he believed, but God honored his faith only because it included obedience. The Israelites, here's a, a, another example where someone's faith did not work because they didn't put action with their belief. The Israelites believed what Moses told them about how God wanted to deliver them from Egyptian bondage. And if an Israelite would have said, uh, I believe, but you know what? That's just messy. Uh, I'm not going to go get a a lamb like Moses says that God wants us to. If there had been some father of any household in Israel who, who took Upon themselves, the attitude. Uh, you know what? I, I'm just. I'm not going to go through all that of killing lamb and putting the blood on the top of my doorpost and, and both sides of my door, the doorpost. Uh, God will understand. Uh, there's not one single father uh, in Israel that 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 if they would have said, you know, I worked hard today. We had to pack to get ready because we're leaving tonight. Moses said. We're leaving Egypt, and and I'm tired. So, you know, God will understand, you know, there are going to be more people lost and in hell because they believe the lie that Satan put in their brain that starts out, it has different endings, but they all start out with this phrase. God will understand. God will understand if I don't give him 10% of my income like he commands me to in his word and tells me I'm a robber if I'm not doing that God will understand my case you know let everybody else support the church and I'll still get the benefits from those who are paying their dues so to speak and supporting the church the way God says to that's God's plan for the church to be carried on I'll continue to enjoy the blessings of everybody who's tithing but 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 God understands my case, and then whatever the devil puts in their mind. I can't afford it, or things are tight right now, or or whatever the excuse is. If any Israeli father had refused to put action on their faith when they said, I believe God's going to lead us out of here through Moses if any one of them had said, for whatever reason the devil would have given them, I'm not going to kill that lamb and put his blood on the doorpost, that father would have seen and witnessed their eldest son die that night by the hands of the death angel. That God said to Moses, it's going through all the land, through all the Egyptians' homes and to all of the Israeli homes. And you better do what I tell you to do if you want them To be saved for their faith their belief to be genuine and effective they had to obey now it's through faith that we start the process of salvation in our lives it's through faith our believing that the blood that Jesus shed for us on the cross is good enough Or whatever the word is, I'm I'm at loss for words because that's not really the proper way to say it. But just for now say, I believe the blood is good enough to cover my sin in the sight of God. And he will forgive my sin when he sees that I'm covered by the blood. Just like the doorpost of the Israeli homes were covered by the blood. And it's through faith our believing the gospel that the apostles preached, we believe it enough to obey it and obey Peter's command to be baptized, it's putting legs on our faith. It's putting the works. Now, people say we can't be saved by works. That's true. You can't be saved by works alone. And in the sense that uh, when people say you can't be saved by works, they mean uh, you can't be saved uh, by doing enough good things to get on God's side to where He'll want to save you. That is true. You can't do enough good things to earn salvation. But guess what? God loves for us to do the good things. I don't understand why people, for instance, living in holiness and living a holy, uh, modest life, why some people. Say, you know, God doesn't require that for salvation, so I don't have to do it. I don't understand why, why people don't do something that God clearly says in his word pleases him just because they love him and they want to please him. But I've got off my lesson. We repent of our sins by faith, by believing that God will forgive us of our sins. If we don't believe it, we won't ask. It's through faith we obey the command of Peter and the rest of the apostles to be baptized. It's through faith we receive the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ fully, and our belief is made complete by our obeying Acts 2.38. And what Peter said to do in Acts 2.38, when they ask him, after he preached the first sermon in the very first church service, uh, on the very first day of the New Testament church of Jesus Christ, they asked him, after he preached that sermon, what must we do to be saved? Now, the words to be saved are not in the Bible, but they are inferred. They might as well have said to be saved. And Peter's answer to them was, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So believing is accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ and accepting that that that's the only way we can be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I'm the door. If any man tries to get into the kingdom of heaven any other way, then he's a thief and a robber. Jesus said that. You have to do it his way. So believing is accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ as the only way we can be saved. And number two, believing also has to include obeying that gospel or appropriating it to our life. Now, I'm going to have to hurry I'm not going to get to everything that I wanted to say because of time. So let me just real quickly tell you how we do that. How do we apply the gospel to our lives? In other words, how do we show that we believe it enough to obey it? Well, the gospel is three-pronged. There's three parts. You go to any Christian church, whatever the denomination may be, Catholic, Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Apostolic, whatever, and ask the question, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Most likely, 99% of the time, the answer will come back, and it will be a correct answer. The gospel of Jesus Christ is his death, burial, and resurrection. It's only through his death, burial, and resurrection that we can be saved. But here's the thing, he died physically, he was buried physically, and he was resurrected physically. We don't do all of that physically because he did it for us. If we had to die for our own sins, then we'd be dead and we couldn't enjoy our salvation, could we? So he did it for us. He did it in our place. He died, and he was buried And he rose again the third day. But in order for that to be any good to us, in other words, in order for us to be saved, we have to apply those three things to our life as an individual. There's millions, countless millions upon millions of people who've heard the gospel preached, but they didn't obey it. So are they saved? No. They're not. You have to apply the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to your life personally for you to be saved. All right, how do we do that? Well, Peter tells us how in Acts 2 and 38. Jesus died physically. We die spiritually. Not physically, but we do die spiritually. The Bible says we die out to our old man. What's the old man? The Bible uses that phrase. It means our sin nature. It's who we were before we got saved, before Jesus Christ changed us with his salvation. We die through repentance. When we repent, we ask God to forgive us of our sins and we die out to our old way of life. The word repent literally means to change direction. You're walking in one direction and You stop, and you turn around, and you literally go in the exact opposite direction. You do a 180, 180 180-degree turn. That, spiritually speaking, is called repentance. So we repent by asking God to forgive us of our sins. We change our life. We come to God and say, God, I want to live for you. I want to be your son or your daughter. Uh, I want to be saved. I want to be a part of your family and a part of your kingdom forever. I don't want to be a part of this world and serve this world or sin or my flesh or the devil anymore. Now, the denominational world, everybody, almost everybody else in Christianity besides just certain groups, apostolics are one of those groups, almost everybody calls that process of repenting uh, by some other name like receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, or accepting Christ. You go to a lot of churches, and I won't name the names that's on the outside, the denomination, but they'll ask you, uh, whether you do it at an altar or not, to receive Christ, to accept the Lord as your personal Savior. I have no problem with that. That's great. In fact, you need to do that. But that is what the Bible calls repentance, and so many people stop there. And that's not where you should stop. You should keep going to the other two ways. That when you repent, you're just applying the death of Jesus Christ to your life. You must go on and apply his burial and his resurrection. Well, how do we apply the burial of Jesus to our life personally? He was buried physically. We are buried spiritually. The Bible says buried with him in Baptism. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Baptism is a necessary part of the plan of salvation. Baptism is a part of being saved. You can't be saved without being baptized. Jesus said it a different way. Now, the Bible says, uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. It all fits together, all of these verses, and there's many more that I don't have time to give you today to prove what I'm saying. But the Bible says that uh, we're buried with him in baptism, uh, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, he was resurrected by the glory of the Father, even so we also are raised up to walk in newness of life. When we do number three, part three of the gospel, Jesus died, he was buried. We're buried with him by being baptized in his name, and that's very important. To be buried with him, you have to do it in his name. If somebody else's name or some titles like Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are called out over you when you're baptized, that's not enough. That's not what the apostles did. They, When they baptized somebody, they always used the name of Jesus or some form of it. So number one, you apply Jesus' death when you repent. You apply that to your life. You apply his burial to your life when you are buried with him in baptism in Jesus' name. And number three, you apply his resurrection when you receive the gift of life that gives us eternal life, that is, the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's God's Spirit. The Bible says if we have not God's Spirit, we are none of his. The Bible in several places makes it very plain, very clear. It is necessary to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to be saved. It takes all three parts of the gospel. It takes all three parts of the gospel being applied to our lives. Uh, Now, baptism, you know, that's one that really gets a lot of people down. They have a lot of problems accepting that that's a real part of salvation. To those people... I would say truth is truth whether you and I believe it or not. doesn't matter whether we believe it or not. It's still true. Baptism is mentioned in the New Testament over 80 times. This isn't something that Paul or Peter just flippantly came up with. Being baptized is how we put off the old man, the old self. It means being buried with Christ. Uh, So, Not only is it an outward sign for people to see that we have faith in Jesus Christ, but it is actually an integral and important part of our being born again, both of the water and of the spirit. Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again or you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I think another way of saying that is you must be born again or you're not saved. You can't be saved. Don't you think Entering the kingdom of heaven is the same thing as being saved. So, you can't be saved. You can't enter the kingdom of heaven without, and Jesus himself said this, being born again of the water, that's being baptized in his name, and being born again of the Spirit. That's receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. It's interesting, and I'll I'll close with this, in Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul ran into some men who had, uh, they had already become Christians. They had already been baptized. And uh, this is an answer to the question some people ask me. Well, Pastor, well, I w- I've been baptized before. Do I need to be baptized again? Well, uh, would there be circumstances under which I would need to be baptized again? Yes, there are, if you weren't baptized the right way. Right way, not meaning the way of this church, but the right way, meaning the way the Bible tells us to be baptized. Let's look at Paul's example. He went to Ephesus, and he found some men there who were were Christians, uh, and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They were believers on Christ. They had believed on Jesus Christ, but their salvation wasn't complete. They hadn't finished or completed the process of being born again, of being saved. He said, uh, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And their answer was, we've never heard of the Holy Ghost. Read this on your own if you don't believe me when you get home today. Acts chapter 19, read the whole chapter. And when they said that to Paul... Uh, that they hadn't heard of the Holy Ghost. What what are you talking about, Paul? He said, oh, we better back up here and check your baptism, your water baptism. He asked them next, how were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized with John's baptism, talking about John the Baptist. So apparently some missionary from Israel had gotten all the way up into Asia Minor and preached about Jesus And uh, they had left Judea apparently before Jesus died and before the salvation plan had been completed on the day of Pentecost. And uh, he said, well, you know, John baptized for repentance, but there's more. And the Bible says he commanded them to be rebaptized in the name of Jesus. And the reason he commanded them, said, you need to be re-baptized again because the first time you weren't baptized in Jesus' name. You say, Pastor, is it really that important? It's not me you ought to ask that question to. It's God. And as I read the Bible, it it is that important. You can't get around it being that important. So uh, as we stand together, I'd like for us... All to consider today, everybody here listening to me, both in this room and those watching online, where are you in this process? Uh, there's, there's more than 31 flavors of religion out there to choose from, okay? But you, there's only one way to heaven. And I'm not saying that it's because this church believes and preaches that one way. It just so happens that we have found that way in the Bible, and we're one of the many, many churches, thousands upon thousands of churches around the world who has discovered for ourselves that it's in the Bible. That's what the Bible says. Repentance, baptism in water in Jesus' name, and infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. So, yes, I would say it's important. If you want to be saved, you need to obey all three. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I just can't help but feel like that there's there's someone listening here today that may may have their nose pressed up against the glass, and they're looking at all the flavors of religion. Uh, Like at Baskin-Robbins, there's so many to choose from. There's, there's, there's no way they can all be right. I believe that I have taught you today from the Scriptures, from the Bible, the right way, the right flavor of how to be saved. And, and, you, and you alone have to make that decision of what you're going to do with that knowledge. Uh, I wouldn't take any man's word for it. Any church's creed or church manual, including this one, but I'd want to make sure to look in the book, in the Bible. And you got to make up your mind. you got to believe something. I've chosen to believe the Bible. I've chosen to believe that what the Bible says is true and it's God's Word. And that's how to be saved. And what the Bible says to do in order to be saved, that's what I've decided I'm going to do. I can't afford to be lost for all of eternity and go to a devil's hell because I wanted to argue about the words that were said over me at baptism. Well, I got baptized in my church, or if Grandma, you know, she didn't talk in tongues, and she didn't have the Holy Ghost talking in tongues, and and I know Grandma is going to heaven. If, If anybody's saved and going to heaven, it's Grandma, and she didn't talk in tongues. Don't you dare let anything like that keep you from digging it out, looking in the Bible for yourself. And if it's there, obey it. Do do what is right for you. You leave grandma up to Jesus, up to God. He's the only one that can judge. Let's pray right now, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Pray that God would help you to do what is right. God, we know that your word is clear. It's distinct. Your word is the only voice that tells us how to be saved. Your word, the Bible, the scriptures of uh, uh, the holy writ uh, that you wrote, uh, that you gave to man to write. It's the only truth. It's the only way. Help us, Lord, to see that. Help us to accept it. Help us to receive it, God. Help us to follow you and your salvation that you have made available to us through your death and your burial and your resurrection, and help us to see how we must apply all three of those to our own life personally so that we can be saved, so that our sins can be washed away, so that we can be made holy and righteous in your sight, not with our holiness or our righteousness or our good deeds, but, Lord, by your righteousness that you have given to all those who will but ask and obey. Obey your gospel. Help us to obey, Lord, with all of our heart, with everything that's within us. Help us to love you, oh Jesus. We thank you for it, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today. We'll give you a two or three minute break. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday except the last Sunday of each month and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.